Welcome to Larpender Life, the podcast about HP St. Paul in the 80s and 90s. I'm your host, Dave Carey. You need to know, somebody saw you and Jeff holding hands at the state fair. I always felt strange going back to my desk in, in, uh, in the Compsis, in the data center, drinking beer. When I say passed out, I literally mean passed out against the door to the data center. This is episode 14, and my guest today is Mary Sue Stothert, previously Mary Sue Denke. If you missed any earlier episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or your favorite podcast site. And now here's my discussion with Mary Sue. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Larpenter Life. My guest today is Mary Sue Stothert. I think I said that right. You may have known her as Mary Sue Denke. Mary Sue, welcome to Larpenter Life. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Dave. I know you were a, a little bit apprehensive about joining, but it's just <laughs> you and me right now. There's not the millions of listeners that we have, you know, with every episode, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That's reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I always try to be comforting, if nothing else. So, um, so let's start the way I, I normally do, and, and let me know when and how did you first get connected into HP? Okay. Well, first of all, I just want to say how much I love these podcasts. And we were just discussing before we started um, that I love them so much and enjoyed them so much that when I saw three more interviews came in, I would wait until I could take a nice warm bath and I'd listen to them in the bathroom. (laughs) Only because I was so excited and it was a treat. And I consider baths in the wintertime a treat. So they all worked together and it was great. And I know that a person can hear a smile through a phone. So I know that I was hearing so many smiles through your podcast. I know you can't see them, but I know that we could hear them. So there are so many great memories. And I can't tell you how many times I've smiled at some of those. Well, you're welcome. And I, I sure am glad to, um, to hear that, Mary Sue. And I appreciate you saying that. And somehow I think that um, listening to this podcast in the bathroom is is absolutely appropriate. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure there's probably a few others, maybe not in the bathtub, but um, uh, thanks very much. So you're um, welcome. <laughs> um, onward to talk about you now um, again. So let's let's start out with uh, when and how did you get connected into HP? Okay, so, and just a little bit about myself. So I grew up in Sartell, Minnesota, and I graduated from high school in 1977. And as a senior, my mom literally said, quote, unquote, pick any college and go have fun. So I did, and I did. So I attended the University of Minnesota Crookston. I did that based on the recommendation from my high school counselor, because it was small, I'm small town, and I, I, she knew, she knew that I would enjoy the small college environment. And so I went for two years and I had fun and I studied business management. 
After that, I did come home, move back to Sartell. I did not utilize that education. I had the great pleasure of caring for my two nephews who were two and four at the time. And after about a year, I decided that I needed to go back to school. I needed to further my education. So I ended up in Western Wisconsin Technical Institute in, in La Crosse. And that second time around was so much more meaningful to me because of a lot of things. Actually, I was super determined. I moved five times in nine months and I managed to achieve a 4.0 GPA in computer operations. So when that was done, I returned home to Sartell and every Sunday I would drive to Clearwater Plaza on I-94 to pick up the quote unquote big newspaper, the big city's newspaper. I scoured want ads every Sunday for maybe a month or two. Um, oh, and another thing, I used a typewriter to for my resume. Okay, so 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 far we've got we have to drive to go get a newspaper. Imagine that. Yep. Yep. We have to look and want ads to get a job. Imagine that. And we're using a typewriter. So yes. already things have changed a lot. <laughs> they have. And there's nothing more aggravating than getting down to the last couple lines of your resume and making making a mistake. I can still remember the sound of pulling that paper out of the typewriter and starting over. I was so mad. And um, on the same day, I had an interview with Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and HP, and they both offered me the job. And I didn't really know too much about HP at the time, but my dad was an IT director for a corporation in Sartell, Minnesota, and he said, you should go with HP. So that is why I chose HP. And that was in 1984. And that's how I ended up at HP. We're recording this on the day before Father's Day. And uh, so your dad gave you some good advice. So maybe thanks, Dad, for that one. Yeah, he sure did. I'm very thankful for that. That was very good advice. So Sartell and small town, small college to uh, a pretty big company, a global company in the Twin Cities. Was that kind of a culture shock for you? It really was. My intention was to come down and get one year's experience and move back home. Well, guess what? It's 2021 and I'm still down here. So <laughs> I never got a chance. I never had the chance to move back home and that's okay. That was all right. Tell me uh, where you within HP, what roles did you did you have? So I'm going to talk a little bit about Comsys. I believe that's what it was called. That was our data center. Um, otherwise known as the fishbowl. And that was hard to work in at times because I know that everybody in the entire office could see us. And I was rather super shy. So I didn't come out of the fishbowl for very often during the day. And I remember Jeff Renfro, who interviewed me and hired me, just said, man, you should get out a little bit more. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. So I started to wander into the lunchroom and have my lunches there. <laughs> so that's where I ended up in Comsys. I worked with Gail Knudsen, Trudy Blake, David Grant, and Scott Carlson. Mary Mauricio came along a little bit later, as well as Linda Mork. The names of the HP 3000s, I believe, were Onesimus, Alphonse, <gasps> and Sherman. Wow. I've had three managers, Jeff Renfro, Carlene House, and then Jeff Stothert. So a little bit about Jeff Stothert. 
Yeah, since, since I'm going to interrupt you before you start, so um, <laughs> yeah, people may recognize that Jeff Stothard has a very familiar last name uh, <laughs> when uh, when talking about you. So we already had in a previous episode we had one uh, office romance with John and Gina Proctor. So I, I'm definitely interested <laughs> to hear about this. Yes. So Jeff and I talked over the phone for about a year. He worked in the Rolling Meadows office and he supported some applications. I think maybe maybe OMS, we had order management system. Um, I think another application was called SAM, maybe, SAMS. Um, but anyway, he decided to transfer to Minnesota. And at that time, we had talked over the phone for about a year and, and thoroughly enjoyed each other. He made me laugh all the time. We laughed so much. And so um, he was here. And then I think the attraction was mutual. And John Proctor had a super great Super Bowl party. And I knew that Jeff was going to be there. And I didn't know if I was going to go. And my mom really encouraged it. She said, oh, go. You'll meet some new people. Have some fun. So I went. And Jeff and I talked. And I think about at midnight that night, we ended up ice skating on Como Lake. <laughs> um, why I had ice skates in my car, just happened to have ice skates, I have no idea. But, um, and after that, we just started to see each other and not many people knew about it. I would find little cards from Jeff in the HP 3000 reference manuals. And <laughs> A true romantic. It was so much fun. And then one Monday morning, I came into the data center and Linda Mort grabbed me and pulled me into the printer room and said, Mary, you need to know somebody saw you and Jeff holding hands at the state fair. And so, and so I told Jeff and Jeff is like, oh boy, okay, thanks for letting me know. So he went directly to Dave Roser, who he reported to, and Dave Roser was fine with it. And so it was never really an issue at that point. Even being my manager at HP at that time, it, didn't, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a problem at all. We ended up marrying in 1995. Well, I'm glad that all worked out, boy. Um, it shouldn't be an issue, but, you know, at some companies that probably really would have been an issue, but absolutely kind of speaks to uh the 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 amount that hp always valued its employees and trusted its employees as well right right and the time the times as well that was in the 80s yeah times have changed so speaking of the 80s you know when i started which was a little bit before you um you know that front computer room there was there was no i don't believe there was any sort of compsys right then i just remember you know like if we had to do a backup it was you know, like whoever was free would kind of go up and do it and we'd forget it at times and people would delete things all the time. <laughs> you know, it was, it was really kind of uh, a mess. Um, oh, wow. it, was, it was sort of the, the SEs at the time sort of were responsible, but it was kind of a secondary job. So, so tell me a little bit more about, about Comsys and how yeah. things worked in Comsys and what you remember about that. Yeah, so we would receive files from Rolling Meadows every morning. They'd come out on the printer. We'd actually, I can't really remember the details of that, but 
they would come over on a, on a real tape, I think. And then we would have to print those reports from the, from the tape. Um, we did, we had a lot of tapes. Um, we had a tape room and it was the reel to reel tapes. So we did backups on those. We did all sorts of things with writing to those tapes. They didn't go anywhere. I guess it was just just to have us backup, maybe even for the applications that we supported, HP desk, inventory, order management, the dispatch system. Um, those were all things that we kind of took care of along with rolling, reporting to Rolling Meadows. You know, uh, it's it's strange to think about the size of those tapes uh, now when you when you think about it. I mean, of course, nobody even uses smaller tapes so much anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, geez, those things were huge and heavy and slow. Yeah, they were, and I I have a, a story about those tapes as well. So I was working the second shift covering for David Grant, and for some reason, the tape on the top. The bottom one, it 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 um, well, it kind of went off the top reel, and I couldn't figure out how to rethread that tape up back to the top reel. So I sat there. It's eleven o'clock at night, and I looked around and I thought, hmm. So I grabbed my chair, I rolled it over to the tape drive, I grabbed a garbage can, and I literally with my hands took that that tape and pulled it down into the garbage can. Do you know how long that took? After after I got halfway through, I said, this, this can't happen. I, I just can't do this. And obviously, I knew it was a tape that I could have, re, you know, recreated. But I just sat there for the longest time with both hands pulling on the tape right into the garbage can until I finally figured out how I could get it to rewind back up onto the top reel. <laughs> oh, jeez. We all have a few stories like that. Uh, some some of ours were right in front of customers, and at least your, <laughs> yours was at eleven o'clock at night by yourself. Exactly. That's yes, agreed. You probably had some late nights, um, you know, uh, dealing with issues and things as well. Again, working the second shift, I finished up around eleven, eleven thirty. Drove all the way back to St. Louis Park. St. Louis Park is where I lived for a little bit with Gladys. She's, she was about 80 years old, and I rented a room from her. So I get in, I get into bed. It's about 11.30 midnight, and my eyes pop open, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I don't think I turned on HP desk email. So I literally threw a coat over my pajamas, drove from St. Louis Park to HP, went inside the data center, typed one little command, HP desk on, turned around and walked out and drove right back. Oh, wow. Talking about dedication. Again, now you, everything, well, first of all, it would all be automated, but secondly, you could do anything remotely you wanted to, but I back know. then, not the case. No, it was not the case. That surely would have come in handy at that time. That was a big one. My other, one of my other memories is the printer room. So I had to distribute reports every 30 minutes. And there are times when I took off just uh, a pile of paper off the printer that was a foot high. And I would have to use my left arm. I'd set it on top of the printer and I would flip through each one looking for the header so that I, I could perforate it and separate it. So I did that for six years, seven years, every 30 minutes. And I would put them in the mail slots. I don't know if anyone remembers the mail slots in the back, but I put them out there, and that was probably one of my most, the most fun part of my job because I got to visit with people. 
people would be looking for their reports. And when they were there and the timing was right, we would visit. So that was a really one of the, you know, better, more memorable parts of my job. Um, And it's so interesting at this age, at 62 now, in the last year, I've just started to experience some pain in my shoulder, my arm. And I'm thinking, oh, no, not my rotator cuff. And then I'm so I'm going back and thinking, I wonder if all those years of putting out those reports had anything to do with it. So, you know, things catch up with you, whether you like it or not. It's kind of unusual to think about the concept of a printer room these days, right? Uh, you know, right. We, everything is online now and everyone has individual printers if they have one at all. And But I do remember we'd have a, a customer deadline or something. We had to have an RFP response due by a certain time or a proposal in at a certain time. And, uh, you know, you kind of wait for that 30-minute interval to come up and hope yours was hope you did it right and you got the right report the right information you didn't have to do it again because it was it was going to be another wait so that's really strange to think about isn't it it is yeah. it is and even more stranger to think that that was almost 40 years ago how quickly all that time went right and of course hp made a, a killing on printers in the interim um mm-hmm. you know and and not just printers, but uh, all the toner that went into the printers and everything, it really became a mainstay of HP's business for a while. Yes. And speaking of toner bags, that's another memory. I had one explode on me. Oh, and no. so um, <laughs> if you've ever, and they were big toner bags and there was toner, not, o- not only all over me, but all over the printer room too, which was pretty big. And so I had to go home. I literally had to go home and change. So I'm happy not to be dealing with toner bags anymore. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, the 3000s, when the HP 3000s went down, another really cool thing was that um, the CEs would be at the door right away. Like, what happened? What's wrong? It was so great that we had that service right at our fingertips that they would just be there to help us and bring up the 3000, like almost immediately. That was a really super nice thing, too. Um, because in my past jobs, I didn't have the CEs to come running when one went down. So that was fun memories, too. They were there in a split second. So uh, let's turn now and talk a little bit about, about the office at that time. I, I know you were sort of um, stuck in the fishbowl, so to speak. Yeah. But do you, you know, in the times that you were able to get out, do you have do you have memories of what the office was like back then? I do. I really do. Um, I didn't participate so much in after hours socialization and gatherings, but um, I did play softball um, with Linda Mork and I played maybe two or three games on the team. And uh, after three strikes, I still stood at the base and Linda said, oh, Mary, you need to, you're done now. You can, you can come back to the bench. I'm like, okay. I think that was the last game I ever played. But um, yeah, for office memories, there's there's a lot of things I remember. I remember Friday afternoons on a holiday or somebody's going away party where they would bring out the appetizers and a tub full of beer or wine coolers. And then I always thought it was, I always felt strange going back to my desk in, in, the, in the Compsys, in the data center, drinking beer while I'm working. I, and I thought that was so much fun, but it felt so different at the same time. So those parties were really fun. 
um, beautiful appetizers and very plentiful. Another thing was the every springtime, I don't know if, well, I'm assuming most people would remember this, but every spring, the fields across the office, the U of M fields, would be doing their fertilizing and that would all come through the vents. So right, the manure spreading. The manure spreading. Yes. <laughs> Every spring. And that was yeah. No yeah, one that, is ever going to forget that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. And speaking of the University of Minnesota, I remember, I don't know how they came to our office, but it was a couple of U of M employees. They actually brought a hybrid of a certain kind of corn on the cob. To this day, and they shared it with us, to this day, that is the best corn of the cob I have ever had. Oh, wow. That is one I do not remember at all. Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, another memory is Greg Ludisher trying to get to the liquor cabinet, which I believe was in the lunchroom. He actually crawled through the ceiling to get down into that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I can really subtitle this podcast, you know, the Greg Ludisher story, because pretty much every episode, uh, some tale about Greg um, in in uh, a very happy light usually uh, comes up. <laughs> he, he was a character. It does. Yep. He was one in a million. Um, another, another memory that sticks in my mind is I was working the second shift again, and there must have been a party going on. I think it was the analytical team. No, I'm pretty sure it was the analytical team. But they, when I say passed out, I literally mean passed out against the door to the data center. And I literally had to crawl over them to get into the data center. That, that was really funny. And it was more than one of them, too. And they were literally on the floor. <laughs> so, oh, that must have been analytical. Yeah. <laughs> It yeah. could not have been the computer guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one memory that really stuck in my mind as well. Yeah. But, oh, that's great. Oh, these are these are fantastic memories, Mary Sue. I, I definitely appreciate you sharing with us. Uh, sure. It's it's really been uh, a lot of fun to to chat with you about these sort of things. Uh, you know, tell me what you're what you're up to these days. Yep. So life after HP. What happened is our data center centralized and our jobs were eliminated. And I ended up in some kind of marketing type position with Mary Dopkins, oh, I believe. Wow. And I, I was there for several months. But then I landed a job at Pillsbury Corporate in downtown Minneapolis. And I went to their distributed system support group, DSS. And I worked there for four years until 1990. And when we were talking about the 3000s going down, the first time I was working on the 3000s on the 32nd floor at Pillsbury, the 3000 went down and I'm waiting. I'm like, hmm, when the three, I wonder when the CEs are going to get there. And I remembered, um, they're not coming, Mary. You actually have to place a call to get them to come. This is not HP anymore. You actually have to call the response center and have somebody come in. So that was different to, to get used to, but my Pillsbury days were great. Um, while at an HP, I think it was an InterX conference. I think that's what they were used to be called, InterX. Right. My colleague quite literally threw me to the VP of development at Open Systems on the dance floor. And that was my first interview with Open Systems. 
And then, and so after the conference, I went in for a few more interviews and I actually ended up at Open Systems in Bloomington. And that's O-P-I-N, not O-P-E-N. People get that confused. And I was there um, in technical support roles. I supported a software product called Reveal 3000. I was there for 23 years. Wow. I ended in 2015 because I literally saw almost from the beginning to the end that software product and it became obsolete and I saw it through its entire life. And when I left in 2015, because partly for that reason, I purchased the remaining um, um, support agreements, provided support from home. And then I also was caring for my mom who had, um, her, whose health was declining. And that was in 2015. And then in 2017, I was starting to look for another job. I didn't want to do technical roles anymore. I ended up as an office manager for uh, Gleason's Gymnastics School. Wow. So, yeah, so I learned a lot about gymnastics, a lot of fun. I pretty much built an office from scratch, literally from scratch. And in the end, after the two years that I left, I had created six or seven detailed operating manuals that left them in much better um, you know, condition than when I left, uh, started that office. But I left that in 2019, and I ended up getting hired by the University of Minnesota uh, in November of 2019. And I worked with a group called Pesticide Safety and Environmental Education, and that is a super interesting group. And they work with the EPA, and um, I work with the Minnesota farmers. So that is my audience. I talk with Minnesota farmers um, often when they have to get recertified in order to purchase pesticides to apply to their land. And um, I also work with the Minnesota Department of Agriculture as well. So um, I love the farmers. I didn't know how much I loved them. If I knew how much I loved the farmers, I probably would have worked with the rural community right from, right from high school, right out the gate. Yeah, that's it's quite a story. Uh, you know, the little girl from Sartell, you know, a small town, uh, kind of ended up all the way back, you know, worked worked all the way through some big, pretty big corporations and right at corporate headquarters of Pillsbury and yeah. then with startups and and then all the way back, uh, kind of to um more rural. Uh it's kind of a circular route, really a neat arc of your career there. And I never thought about that because growing up in a small town, it was sort of rural. Sartell's outside of St. Cloud and there, it was rural. And you're, you're exactly right. I, I never thought about it like that, but I did kind of circle back to my, my, my beginnings. Right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. It's, it's great to talk to you and uh, hoping we can uh, get a reunion going toward the end of this year again. And um uh, and, yeah. you know, we'll try to set up a little fishbowl for you so you feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. So thanks so much uh, for, for joining. It's, this has been great and uh, appreciate you spending time with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. I'm so happy that I mustered up all my brave and just go to it. It wasn't so difficult after all. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Larpenter Life is produced solely by me, Dave Carey. It's not affiliated or sponsored by HP in any way. 
please let me know what you think of the podcast. Send me an email at larpenderlife at gmail.com. And remember, I'd really love to have you as a guest. Until next time, take care, everybody.